All right, hey people, this is episode 37 of the Option Podcast. The Option Podcast is brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events. Beach Volleyball National Events is the number one get notice showcase. For all of the college recruiters, we get as many as 20 to 35 college recruiters. Want to get noticed? Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. It's also brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball. Are you guys training for AAUs? You're going to the Junior Olympics? You're going to the AVP first in Hermosa Beach, California? And didn't bring your coaches with you? Come with us. We have the best coaches in the world, if not the United States. We have Pompilio from Brazil, um, Jeff Samuels, uh, Rob McLean, and yours truly, Jason DeBeas, not to mention Jaron Burrito. Um, a family that plays together, stays together. So also brought to you by my brand, NY Varsity Sports. Watching me. Watching you. <laughs> Episode 36 starts. Ha <laughs> This is what happens when you take your own show. Episode 36 starts right now. Hey, welcome everybody. Episode 36. I am Jason DeBilius. You ask and you shall receive because I got to give the people, i give the people what they want. Kathy, Catherine, her professional name, Perrant. Kathy, Catherine Perrin, what's up? What's up? How are you? I'm good. Good to go. So we were. Yeah, me too. So we were talking about like how New York City feels like the new ground zero. Um, uh, very similar to 9-11, except like the difference difference was um, like 9-11, there was an end game, right? You, you, you go there, the buildings already fell. Um, there was this moment of residual um, fear and terror. Uh, um, and we were talking a little bit about that off camera. Can you, can you, can you talk about the comparison a little bit before we, before we get into the nitty gritty? Well, uh, you know, we were both here for 9-11 and we experienced that together in the city. And the thing about that, how terrible it was, there, there was an end game. You know, you, I remember the, the uh, military coming in. I remember the cleanup process. I remember all the hospitals, you know, getting ready. And then, and then it was done. And then we were healing as a nation and he healing in New York City from that tragedy. The, the difference now, it, it, it's just, it's an unseen enemy. I really do believe that. And mm -hmm. I have been in New York the whole time since the COVID started and the protesting and even the riots. I think you saw my video that was um, right outside of my apartment um, of the, the, not riots, it was, a, it was a protest that, you know, took place, but, you know, windows were broken on my street. And so you have this residual, you know, fear of things. And it's definitely not easy, but I'm still here. I'm still doing it. I'm surviving. Um, and, you know, I, all, I, all you can do is hope for the best. No doubt. No doubt. So can you can you give us a, a, a brief um, a brief synopsis? How the hell did this COVID thing even happen? You know, did, did it come uh, from a bat? <laughs> there's there, there's a whole bunch of urban myths about it and um there there are there's a lot of things you know on, online circulating a lot of uh some crazy theories and you know sometimes viruses can jump from animal to human um that has happened before with other viruses and in this case this is what happened um covid is is something that we've never really seen before it it's a uh, it's in a family of coronavirus there's other um uh, strains of this virus, but this particular one, COVID, which is SARS-2, right. uh, is, is 
is something we've really never seen before. So, you know, a lot of people want to throw, I've heard that, that it was created in a lab. It had, wasn't created in a lab, <laughs> you know, when, you know, sometimes it just can jump from animal to human. And that's, that's pretty much what happened with us. Right. You know, um, I got to tell you, um, it is scary in the sense that, and I'm, I'll just go recent, uh, to pre, uh, I'm jumping to the present, so I'm going to drive a little bit. They have testing kits, right? And now, they do. And now, um, first there weren't enough testing kits, and now they're saying the testing kits aren't reliable. Well, that's the thing, you know, um, so many tests are being created uh, very fast and no one has ever done studies on these particular tests to look at a margin of error. So um, I've read some articles where it says 50%. I've read some other articles, 70%, but they're still just testing a small population of those tests that are being done. And as you know, there's two different types of tests. There's one for active infection um, with the nose swab and then there's another antibody test that you can get done, which, you know, a lot of people are doing up here. So you're right. You, you know, all you can do is the best that you can do, but there is going to be some variance and false positives and false negatives. It's it's no test is 100 percent. No, no doubt. Um, the other thing, the other, my, my other concern is um, and I feel like I'm rushing through this is, is does it have something to do with strands like uh, because it's different strands? Maybe the test is trying to keep strain. it with Yeah, it's, it's different. And I read a really interesting article, and I think it was on CNN, but that the more that they're, they're researching this virus and the more they're testing this virus, um, again, it's like, it's, it's like, unlike anything we've ever seen before, they're looking at not only is it respiratory, but it also affects the vascular system. So, um, and that's something that didn't occur for SARS-1. So, that's the problem. We're still, everybody's still learning about it. I mean, the studies are being done, but I mean, this is a very novel, this is a novel virus to us. So a lot of research money is being devoted to develop vaccines, to, um, to do other testing, to see what kind of therapeutic medications may be able to help or shorten the, um, the, the hospitalizations, uh, you know, and that's like, the, the, it's so rapid right now because everybody's grabbing at straws. We got to get this, we got to get that. And with that, you know, a whole can of worms is open because you can't rush research. It's not something that can be rushed. Um, there's certain phases in clinical research. A, a drug has, a drug or vaccine or biologic or uh, a device needs to go through, you know, a certain, um, clinical trials, phase one, preclinical phase one, phase two, phase three, before it can be submitted to the FDA. And usually these things take 12 years for normal stuff. And actually when I started learning about it, uh, it was 19, 18, 19 years. So I just pulled up an article today. It said 12 years. I'm like, what did, what did I miss? Oh my God. <laughs> it, it takes a long time. Like, it takes a long time. And so these things are fast tracked. And I agree with the fast track. I think, uh, you know, we definitely need a vaccine. I worked on the Ebola vaccine here, here in the United States, phase one. Phase one that yeah. was a fast track vaccine. And that, you know, took a good four years to get on the market. So they already had that vaccine. So th th this vaccine we had, everybody's making it. They already had the vaccine, but it took four years, three, three and a half, four years before it was approved. And that's fast track. So you need the safety data. You can't just give it to somebody and say, hey, you know, guinea pig, here you go. Give me your arm. Let's see what happens. You you have to have, a, you know, a standard. And, you know, clinical research is there. I really believe it's there for the people. We owe it to the people of the world 
to make sure that the products that are on the market are safe and effective, safe and effective. So it's not something that can be rushed. So uh, that's been on my mind too, because there's several com different companies developing the vaccine. Uh, about five or six of them got a de Department of Defense funding um, and they're going through it. I mean, they just started in May for phase one. I think there was one that maybe started a little bit before. Um, but yeah, it, the state, we need the safety data. And the only way to get the safety data is to have larger trials. So when you finally get to phase three, you'll have a bigger trial. And yeah. to make sure you have the safety data to back up that vaccine. So there's a lot of work to be done. But I'll tell you, everybody is really, from what I've seen and what I've read and uh, you know, it, it's amazing what they're trying to do. So I, I'm hopeful. I am hopeful. Yeah, there's, um, I think, um, a human one, right? Um, I was reading on CNN or watching CNN. The rare occasion I do. I, I, I think I watch CNN just so I can vet what I think is true or not. I, I watch MSNBC because of its one-dimensional propaganda, and I watch Fox News for satire. So that's those. That's that's the healthy the healthy balance. I sometimes watch all of them too. Yeah. I, I want to get an idea of how other people are thinking. Then about I watch things. BBC so I can like feel smart. <laughs> come on, anyone that talks to you, anyone that talks to you, to, but look, come on, we're Americans. Anyone that talks to you with an English accent, you already assume he's like smarter. <laughs> so. It's true. Actually. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> I believe that. In our, in our head, or behind our head. So, there, there, uh, CNN reported that there were human trials underway for anti for an, an antibody co um, cocktail. So that part of uh, testing, um, when you're talking about uh, testing, and you're talking about, um, I guess, getting a sample size. When when did when did they start doing it on humans? Okay, so. Um... Right now, for those studies, they're mo I believe they're most likely in phase one. Sometimes you can do a phase one and a phase two study together. It just depends on the on the study. But the, the, the antibody cocktail is a therapeutic, so it's used to treat someone. So someone who's severely sick in the hospital, someone already has you it. give them the antibody, someone who's really ill. It's, it has nothing to do with vaccines, so it's completely different. So um, what was your question? I forget. What's the question? No, you, 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 I, I'm, you, you do these tests and you're in, a, you're in the lab, you know, like pinky in the brain no, and shit. Uh, and and then you're like, when do I we start? When do we start doing human beings? Well, they, they already are. They already are doing clinical trials with that with that stuff. Um, but again, in clinical research, because it ha it's had such a colorful history of problems that have happened without regulations. And as time has gone on, like for example, the Tuskegee experiments, the um, Nuremberg Code that was developed after World War II, wow. um, the um, thalilamide, have you heard about the thalilamide babies? No. So, so Tell me. regulations have happened after these like pitfalls. So, so clinical research has a certain, you have to go preclinical and then you get approval from the FDA based on that data to do a phase one trial first in humans. So I believe that the antibody uh, cocktail is already in phase one, but I have to check that to be sure. But again, that's just to treat someone who's already infected in the hospital. That's somebody who's very ill. So there's a lot of different modalities and a lot of different uh, treatments that are coming up um, out of the woodwork, really. Um, it's a big race, you know, because a lot of people are dying. So... Yeah, no doubt. Um, I have 
be before we we have a little fun here because <laughs> you're you're very you're, you're first of all this all this is extremely helpful information my boss right. Duran forbes asked me to ask you a question she um i think she might be with her daughter right now so i'll ask for her um COVID, as far as um being on surfaces i understand it it, it um there's there's more of a lingering at last i'll just say it in my terms it lasts longer on 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 certain um some surfaces than others for example like a metal surface i understand it can it can be more than a half a day right um in the air if you have a distance it's um, it's gone in seconds um in our wheelhouse volleyball we understand uh it's um how long did, would it last on a surface like leather? We have a ball. Uh, you know, we have a, I, I don't have that we information, have a ball. but I would assume that it would last longer just, just from, from reading and, and listening to what's happening in the world that, you know, the incubation period for this type of virus is much longer than something else. So, I mean, just be vigilant and, and careful. And I wipe everything down. I have a system when I come in my house, I have my outdoor clothes and my indoor clothes. And I, I'm not suggesting anybody else do this because I'm a little, you know, but this is how I do it because I live in a hot spot in New York City. I have you my have to, yeah. um, shoes come off, my um, my hand sanitizer, come in, wash my hands. But I, I try to really minimize my risk. And that's really what it's about. So if you're worried about it being on surfaces, just, you know, wipe up, wipe up, have an area that's, that's, for your outside stuff and then inside stuff until this thing, you know, resolves itself, which we have no idea when, is there a big, you know, everyone. Is there, is there a big difference between just using hand sanitizer or just soap? I mean, both work. I mean, I think soap is better. Wash your hands. What did, um, oh, what's his name? I can't remember his name now. CNN. Oh, uh, Tapper. Oh, Cuomo. Yeah. No, no. The other guy. Tapper. Jake Tapper. No. Um, Lemon. Don Lemon. Anderson Cooper. Yeah, why can't I remember his name? Anderson Cooper. He's like, sing happy birthday when you wash your hands. I mean, it, it works. You're there really washing your hands, but it's kind of crazy. Um, you know, the, some people just don't think it's that important, but it really to, to minimize your risk, I mean, that's what it's about. Because we don't know so much about this virus, that you, you have to minimize your risk. You have to do everything in your power to protect yourself and other people. Like, I'm a firm believer in wearing a mask. It's not so much for me, it's for other people that are immunocompromised, going through chemo. You can't tell if someone's sick when you look at them. So it's respectful, I think, to, to just assume that whoever's around you maybe has a problem, maybe has like some kind of immunity problem, maybe you know um, a compromised immune system or, for, or just plain sick. But you have to, we have to protect each other in, in this time. So I think, you know, it, it maybe can stay on leather, uh, you know, but like I said, I'm, I'm vigilant and I wipe down my purses. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, as a sports guy, I, I have a quote from Max Kellerman from first take as well as um, Max Holloway, who's a mixed martial artist, former, former UFC champ. Um, treat it as if you have it and don't want to infect any, everybody else. So uh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a very, very um, simplest, simple, simple and wise approach to it. Um, yeah, the whole time I'm talking to you, I'm just looking up. I was I was gonna tr just put up um, total cases and then cases by states, cases by ethnicity, sure. cases by ethnicity, um, cases by age. I'm looking at the age, and it seems like 18 to 44 is is um, the biggest one. It has passed uh, 45 to 64 um, in those cases. And I really, I really think just if people are just smart, 
smart. I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of in the middle. I mean, you're on you go on Fox News. You have one doctor saying one thing, why why it's safe to do one thing, and then CNN. You have another doctor, and both are paid medical professionals. Both because they have MD by their name, they're both trusted, and 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 it's very difficult to decipher who's getting paid to say something that's not necessarily dishonest, but not but may, at the same time maybe not totally candid. And this is why I'm so glad to have you on the show because oh, thank you, you know. Well, no, I'm not a physician. I I you know I can't give you know I I. No. I have worked in vaccine research. I, you know, certainly worked on some pretty um, amazing trials that that are are, you know, the H1N1 vaccine I worked on. I worked on Ebola here. I worked on RSV. I worked on meningococcal, you know, vaccines in in, in Peru. Actually, I actually had a, a job contracting going to Peru and Guatemala and Puerto Rico. So that that was fun. You're in Peru. Um, I'm sorry. You were in Peru. Cool. Where? I was, yeah. I, I stayed there for a while, and then I went back and I actually worked there. Oh, so, you stayed there. Where? Uh, right outside of, well, Lima was one, one site, and then I lived in Cusco in a small town called Urubamba. I was there. Really? Did you go to Machu Picchu? I did, of course. And I, let it's me tell you something. I, cl I climbed that thing like William Wallace, climbing the mountains or, what, or like Rocky Balboa when he was training for, for Drago. <laughs> I just wanted, I, I told my girlfriend and her parents and um, actually Duke University, they were on an academic trip. So, um, wow. so we went to Cusco, Puno, Lima, Lake Titicaca, but Machu Picchu was of course the feature. So I'm like, you guys don't mind if I leave you because y'all are just slow. And I'm <laughs> this long line behind people. So, the altitude uh, did affect you. No, -uh. no. -uh. Really? Nope. Oh, I struggled. Nah. I, I was really heavy into kettlebells. I, I used to be a kettlebell instructor, um, you know, I guess 2013. For like a cup of coffee. <laughs> but, you know, when I was heavy into doing that and exercising, I, my, I, I was fine. I was okay there. But without it, oh, my gosh, I had so much trouble adjusting. It was not easy. So very interesting. This is from CDC. New cases by the age um they have like this crazy map like the darker the map uh, the uh, the area of the map i guess the more the more cases um cases amongst i, H I think what, when I, I looked at it yesterday or today but i think the death rate the death the number of deaths due to covid in new york state is thirty thousand people it's ridiculous yeah I'm just looking at and the I, large mean, one. I, I think 400,000 have had active infections now again you look at that number you're like okay well the testing, you know, how can you be 100% sure? So you're, so you're really looking at the death rate, you know, but that 30,000 people in New York State and, and New Jersey's right behind. And, yeah. you know, it's it's incredibly sad. It's incredibly sad. Cool. I have a good friend of mine who lost her mother to it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I had a close friend that survived it. He wound up in Harlem Hospital. And let me tell you something. I lived in Harlem for 12 years. You could, you could go there for a cold and come out and, and not, and not <laughs> live. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when he went there for COVID, I'm like, oh, oh Lord, dear God. All right, cool. I'm just um, flashing the stats for people. New cases by the day I'm flashing up. New cases by age. Um, cases by race and ethnicity, um, um, percentage wise, it seems that white, non-Hispanic, and then after that, Hispanic, Latino, and then after that, African, uh, black and African-American, um, that's first, second, and third on the list. Let me ask you a crazy question, and which, um, I guess in essence is not crazy. Um, what? <laughs> she said, hit me with your best shot. Hit me. <laughs> 
you have <laughs> uh, so you have um states like Florida, right? Mm-hmm. You have states like Texas that um their practices and when they open up and certain people um as far as herd immunity and just different policies in, in accordance to the uh their governors uh which was uh our, our our president mr 45 left up to the governors which i think is smart and and, and i mean as far as dumb things the man has done uh, um that's it's a pretty smart thing right because uh, managing COVID in montana Right, where social, which brings new meaning to the term social distancing, uh, yes, um, totally. is different from uh, from New York it's to California. It's different in every state. Like, yeah. it's just it's different in every state. But you know, you, I think if everyone is just vigilant, I mean, I, I, I guess if I lived in Montana and I someone telling me to wear a mask all the time, and I was you know out on the ranch, I'd be like, are you out of your mind? Um, so yeah, I, I think that that has to be looked at. You know, like people per capita in the state and and. But I mean, here in New York, it's a no-brainer. But you still see people walking around without a mask, and you're like, "Really? It's yeah. so easy to put on. Like, it just takes a second. Well, it's not just tell- respect for yourself; it's respect no. for somebody else." And look, we've all been through a lot here, you know, and that it makes me nuts. You know what's cool about California? Like, what? you don't see a lot of people wearing a mask, okay? But in these areas, all all of a sudden, when the air starts to get denser, everyone reaches in their pocket and like synchronous swimmers, they just put on the mask. So it's the fog, yeah. not so much the virus, just, right? Like wow. you said, we, the, when something new happens, yeah. I mean, it's, but isn't that smart? Like, look, some yeah. some people can't run. Some people are on a three mile run. They can't run with a mask. They can't fucking breathe in it. Okay. That's so, tough. So do you like not run? Okay. Riding yeah, a bike, you know. What I mean, doing doing some of these car, um, these these um, high demanding exercises. And California is a workout culture. Okay, it's different out here, particularly in the South Bay. So I really liked that they i mean there is a rule but as far as enforcing it and just being smart except for a few bad a few assholes like oh i'm not gonna wear a mask you know Uh, um but they've been really really smart like there was no activity on the strand and they closed the beach and then someone's like why don't you just close the strand and open the beach (laughs) it's because as far as social distancing there are more people that are going to create space each other with each other on the beach like hermosa beach is 1.3 miles square miles um, and that's more than enough. That's plenty of room. I mean, if, if you're in Hermosa, if, if you, if you called me from one end to the other, I get, they got to charge you long distance. It's there's there's a lot of space. So, so I, I really like what we've done here. Any indoor activity, um, supermarket, everyone's wearing a mask. Anything that requires, um, you, you, um, purchasing something or standing online, you're wearing a mask. Um, the rest, some of the restaurants have opened and, but now we're going once this table's empty, this table's people, this one's empty, this table's people. So I don't know what phase they're in, but, but I like it because if your only other option is to stay in your house until a vaccine comes, that's not a reality. It's we not, can, we and can, there's we, no way we that can, people are going to do that. No. We've, we've been inside too much in New York City. I'm telling you right now, because it, it was really, really hard. April, May, uh, you know, you can't just, you know, we're not meant to stay in our apartments if you live here. You're always outside. You're always doing something. You're having drinks with friends. Are you going out? You're going to the park, you know? So it's enough to make you crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I think just- I think it, they would have rioted if, if this, this, this thing didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's sooner it's right. I, I mean, in New York, just boiling over, being in your house, man. You just start to hit Not yourself easy. in the head. Yeah, 
not easy. And, you know, I, my, my work, I travel for my job and that's, you know, non-existent. Everything is done online now, which is an adjustment. Um, and I certainly wanted a break from work because I was pretty tired at the beginning of the year, but now I, I miss it. You know, I'm, I'm in my house too much. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm blessed. I still have a job right now. I'm working on oncology. Yeah. So, um, you know, I am one of the lucky ones. I mean, imagine, imagine yourself being a business owner, a restaurant owner, and you've had this, this restaurant open for 30 years, 40 years, and all of this has happened and you have to close down because you just can't afford it because of the rents. I mean, you know how expensive rent is here. Yeah. That is no, heartbreaking. I, honestly, I stopped, owning a, I, I stopped owning a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I stopped renting a long time ago. Before I moved, like five years before I moved, I, um, I was on the Upper West Side. I was in 87th and West End, and we, oh, okay. we, we owned it, you know? Yeah, forget. Yeah. I was like, forget this rent stuff, man. I mean, I'll deal with the maintenance because that's a pain in the ass, too. You know, and co-ops, there's, there's all kinds of freaking rules, but it, yeah. it, it, But if you have the right, it's it's about location, location. It's it's a really nice spot. You know the spot. It's right It's right. It's yeah, right, I, near, it's I right near Hudson River Park. Broadway. Yeah, 98th. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But I lived, I, I lived in, um, right, you know, West End Avenue is like right there. Hudson River Park's there. Central Park's there. Yes, uh, five napkin cool. burgers there. Carmine's. Remember, you used to, used to go to, used to, Carmine's, used to, used to, used to yeah, like to go to Carmine's all the time. For my high school. Yeah, for my yeah. graduation party for college, I went there. <laughs> I love you Carmine's. Did? It's so good. But see, all the restaurants are closed and you're just kind of, I mean, you're getting takeout sometimes, but it's, the, the energy is so different here. Everybody's, it's, they're struggling, you know, but, um, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful. That's all I can say. I'm hopeful for the best. I'm taking it one day at a time. That's all anybody can do, really. Yeah. Well, you, you've answered already a lot, of, a lot of cool questions. I mean, like the why testing's not um, not reliable at this point and this and that. Um, as far as paying for a vaccine, because uh, this country collectively, and you'll appreciate this or not, you have this tribalism with everything. And, and, and my most recent example is going to be vaccines. If someone doesn't want to get a flu shot, all of a sudden they're like, Oh my God, he's not anti, he's anti-vaccine. He doesn't, Oh, he doesn't this. And then, and then when someone wants vaccines for everything, they're on one side. So for me, I'm kind of in the middle because I, I, we worked in a cardiology practice for 17 yeah. years. I never once had yeah. a flu shot. I never, I never, I never once had a flu shot. So it's, oh. so how important is like when the vaccine comes, this is Kathy, when the vaccine comes, everyone's going to get it. They're just, they're just going to smarten up and be like, Hey, I ain't trying to get the, I ain't down with this COVID. We're all going to have it. We're going to, we're going to treat it like child immunization, measles, mumps, and rubella for Christ's sakes. Um, how important, as far as paying for it is concerned, uh, uh, what are the concerns about that? What paying for it? Yeah. Like money, like who's going to pay for the vaccine? Well, from, I mean, I, th that's the question. Like for me, honestly, it should be the government. You know why? Because, um, we we got this vaccine for free <laughs> our tax dollars paid for this vaccine uh -huh. <laughs> paid for yeah. their right and their and their and we'll both agree their gross neglect um regardless of uh, of uh, uh, partisan values or, or or party commitment no they screwed up they screwed you up know, this, this is their it's, fault it's, and we should it, not it, have to pay for that yeah the cost of medications is is craziness and when i was a poor student mm -hmm. as you remember 
and I was on Advair and I, my insurance wouldn't cover Advair at the time. It was $395 for just 30 days supply. And I just, I couldn't get it. So I, I traveled in 2012. I traveled all over the world. I took a year off and I was in Romania and I had run out of my medicine and I went and got the same medicine there and a different dispensing thing, but the same medication and guess how much it cost me? 10 bucks. 40 bucks. Whoa. So, you know, I, I do have a problem with how much things cost. I understand how difficult it is to getting any kind of medication or drug in the market. You know, you have 5,000, you know, you have 5,000 different compounds that you're looking at and doing testing on and maybe five will make it to phase two, phase three, and maybe you'll get one winner. So, and then when the winner comes, and the, but then when the winner comes, maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to know unless you have big trials, like, you know, especially with COVID. We're, we're waiting for the preliminary data to show safety, to show efficacy, and then do a placebo-controlled trial that, that has tens of thousands of people. So you have statistical proof that, yes, this indeed works. So it, it takes time. It takes money um, to do those trials and to do them well. Um, that's a whole other, you know, conversation. But... Yeah, I, I do think there should be funding. These companies that are making the vaccine have gotten government funding to do the vaccines. So, yeah, I believe that, you know, this, this should be covered. I doubt very much it will be, but, you know, we'll have to see. I guess the point I was trying to make, if they're trying to mandate that everybody must have the vaccine and maybe execute some kind of you know, some kind of ex executive law that says they have to do that, they have to make sure that they have to meet the people of the United States of America in the middle. All right. That, that, I don't think this... anybody can make someone take a vaccine. Like you can't force that on somebody. It would be smart to get it, you know, yeah. after it's been proven safe and effective. But you can't like as a government, I, I don't believe you can do that. And I actually had a disagreement with somebody who's working with HPV, human papillomavirus vaccine. Yeah. And she she was saying, you know, every every per young person should get it. I'm like, I understand why you're saying that, but when you start to say, the government's going to start saying, you have to take this pill, you have to take this vaccine. No, we have certain freedoms here. You don't, you don't have to. And she was pissed off at me because I wasn't agreeing with her. She's like, I think that's neglect. I'm like, I have a problem with the government telling me to take anything and forcing me to do it. You know? So. And, and in this case, the neglect is the government. They were derelict. And their and their and their duty. Listen, you were part of the Ebola, the Phase One team, okay? That, to my understanding, was handled a lot better, and um, and and, it, and of course, well, a lot yeah, more dangerous, and a lot more I'm dangerous. I'm telling you, that was the best study I ever worked on. The the lovely ladies that I worked with, we worked it were so hard on that. I lost sleep, and it was so worth it because that, to me, was the highlight of my career. I had a site in Texas and a site in California. I was going back for a year and a half, boom, boom, on a plane all the time. I was so tired, Jason, so tired, but I, it was run so Exhausted in a good so way. well, and I'm proud of that study. I'm proud of that data. I really am. But the, that's, and that's the point I was trying to make. That's something that um, we saw coming and we, and, and we weren't neglectful of that. Well, that, I mean, there's so much more at stake because it's Ebola. Okay. So, I mean, I'd, I'd like to find another disease and pick another example relevant to COVID, well, but, but, um, think um, about it this way. Think about it this way. I believe that there are about seven different Ebola strains right now. They don't have vaccines for, for them all, but I think that there's some cross reactivity 
where, you know, one might work for the other. I'm not 100% sure. I got to look it up and read. But the reason why I'm telling you this is because um, they had the vaccine already. The Canadian government had the vaccine and then sold the vaccine to a small biotech in the United States. And this is all public information you can get online. So that vaccine was already there. And we already knew a lot about Ebola because there was a lot of different um, uh, strains. And it didn't really change that much from one strain to the other. The problem with COVID is that we, even though SARS-1 was, you know, in Asia, I forget when it was, what the year was, but you know, I would say maybe seven, eight years ago, maybe more, you know, that didn't come over here, but this is a different strain and we didn't have anything. We had nothing. So we just started seeing cases, seeing these coronavirus cases coming in. So they had to make the vaccine, right? Do all the regulatory stuff, get the sites up and running, make the protocols, doing the research now, getting the funding from the DOD and thinking about manufacturing, which is going to be billions of doses. How are you going to get that going in a, at a faster rate, a fast pace? So there's a lot, there's a lot more to this, not minimizing Ebola because Ebola is very serious as well. But, and, and a, you know, a lot, a lot of people, the transmission is longer for this, for some reason, it's just, it's not in the same family. It's a different virus. So knowing all that, you know, even if it goes through, how are you going to manufacture that many doses for people? You know, and, and they're already working on that, but these companies, like seven or eight of them have funding from the government to do, to do it, to do the research. And it just started in May. I think the first study started in May. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, if it, they have the funding to do it and they start charging people to administer it, they're, they're the ones that profit from it. Yeah. I mean, there are profits to be made. I mean, this is, you know, yeah, that that's probably going to happen. Um, I don't know what it's going to be set at. They might make a deal with the insurance companies to cover, automatically cover it. Um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen. I, I, your guess is as good as mine. I'd be interested, you know, to know and to follow that, you know, to see kind of how, how they're going to make it work. A lot of people are asking me, when are we going to have a vaccine? It's so hard to say. There's so many factors. There's factors that people aren't even thinking of. You know, from what I do in my job, I monitor clinical research. So I make sure the data is correct. It's done well at the site, that it's true data, and it's been entered into a computer system, and I verify that. So that's my job. So, you know, something can happen in a a research study where something's not monitored well or, you know, uh, a delay, like an IRB delay, or maybe they can't get subjects in, or maybe, you know, there's just a lot of different factors that go into it. So it's not as simple as, oh, here you go, you know, let's just test it and then be done with it. It's, it, there's a lot of moving parts, you know, to protect people and safety. And, and that's what research is. You got to protect the, the subject first. So it, it's a long road and they have to make sure it's safe. And the only way to do that is time and having the data, you know? So it, it's, it's going to be a road. It's going to be a road. I'm hoping it's going to be here sooner rather than later. But it's it's definitely a, a long road. Why is Florida and Texas done so well with this and better than most states, the highly populated states? I don't know. I was reading an article and I I, I think I printed it out. It said that the, the second wave is coming in some of these states. And I thought Florida was one of them, that they're seeing an increase in COVID ca- uh, cases right now. They... Let me tell you something. I, I think the thing that even scared the hell out of everybody was Florida made national news when remember, remember the uh, I call it the beach scene. 
uh, they have a picture of, like everybody on the beach. It looked like fucking spring break for Christ's sakes. And when that happened, when that happened in California, when that happened, when that happened, you know what happened? The, the, the very next day in California, Newsom shut everything down. (laughs) And for me, it came back to just being smart. And I was telling my friends, if you don't behave like adults, the government's going to treat you like a baby. And that's why, honestly, that's why everything got locked down. I mean, the per- I understand the purposes of things getting locked down because they say they want to flatten the curve. So this way um, it, it mediates, you know what I'm saying? It mediates the, the, the amount of bodies uh, that go mm-hmm. to a hospital and get treated for it. This way it can be treated um, where hospitals aren't overrun. I get that. And, and if the curve, this is, and this is my question, if the curve is flattening, that's when I think the next phase should should start. Now, Texas and Arizona a little bit and Florida, their first wave wasn't even that bad. And it, they looked more socially irresponsible. And I'm, 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 maybe I'm just getting carried away because I saw the news. They seem more socially irresponsible than everybody else, you know? It, it seemed like a herd immunity thing. And I, and I think that's what you said. It just comes about caring about your fellow man. Yes, <laughs> you know? yeah, and being respectful of that. And, you know, you just don't know what anybody, anybody else is going through. You, somebody can walk, be walking down the street and they could have, you know, cancer and you have no idea and they're going through chemo during this terrible time, right? So it's just... Here, I think it's a necessity. Um, I'm worried about the second wave of things um, to come. Uh, Nobody really, from what I understand, they don't know if this is seasonal or not. Um, And I use that term very loosely because... Because warmer weather helps combat it? I'm sorry? Warmer weather weather helps combat it, right? Yes, there is some some, uh, data that suggests that warmer weather and the sun can can, uh, stop it. but the flu is a seasonal, you know, I use it lightly because the flu never goes away. It's just in the summertime, the cases plummet. So, you know, it, it, there's a certain time frame. So they're, they're trying to figure out if coronavirus is like that too. So, and that, again, we just don't know. So it, there's a lot of different research that are being done, a lot of different studies with a lot of different therapeutics. So help is on the way. I really do believe that. Um, I, I just, I have no idea when, <laughs> you know, it's, it's anybody's guess. Um, one of my friends is a medical professional, um, asked me what my blood type was. Um, and I told him, um, O positive, right? And he's like, oh, you're good. You're good to go, <laughs> you know? So I started reading studies that, 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 um, that are said that were suggesting that O positive was, um, more more combat more combatant or resistant or, or not symptomatic to that and i was like that's bullshit what's because when some, I, I read cause something when I, about that too but no but listen I don't when know. I, no but listen when i kathy the coolest thing about this conversation is i will never just go on someone that says study show i don't when someone says study show and they rest on that i don't you, i think i speak for you on that too oh really what was the study where was the study done i'll, I'll speak on my terms okay volleyball right Study shows that midline passing doesn't doesn't really make a difference to, uh, with just like facing your angle. And I'm not, and I'm asking the guy. I'm like, okay, what was the study? I'm like, was it in men's volleyball? Uh, um, uh, men's men's beach volleyball? And they're like, no, it's um, indoor. But I was like, so it's men's volleyball. It's like, no, it's women's. I'm like, was it a D1 program? No, it's D D2. And I'm like, did the You're team right. did the team have fifteen? Did the team have fifteen players? And no, it had nine. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you did you did the study like two weeks? No, two days. <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's I'm sorry, studies show what? <laughs> yeah. 
So you have to, you have to read between the lines and, and you know, do your, do your own research. I mean, that's, you know, what you need to do. I mean, I, I mean, just for this, this uh, podcast, I was online looking at actual studies of the history of clinical research and why we do certain things the way we do. And, mm-hmm. you know, so people have resources to go to a real published study, um, to look at things and, yeah. and educate themselves. Anybody can read a study. So well, the, the old positive uh, thing, there's, there's, there's six different studies on it now, but, um, I, I my, my conclusion, that, my conclusion based on that was that just reading the six studies that I think that O positive people, they just probably have it. They just don't know it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think it, it, it uh, the, the virus has sees your blood type and says shoe fly don't bother me. I just think, um, you know, they don't they don't know it. It's it's crazy. Like, I I tried to, uh, you know, go to donate blood. Man, they're happier O positive. <laughs> so, so yeah, you're the universal donor. Yeah, the only reason why I even knew because in the military on your dog tags, um. Your dog tags have your blood, your blood type. It has your religious preference and your name and social security number. But, mm-hmm. but um, studies show, and I was going somewhere with this, and and I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to steer us both both off the cliff. So put on your seatbelt. Um, okay, it's on. <laughs> I the, you might have seen a face a recent Facebook post I made, just just talking about you know be nice to each other. It was it was dealing yeah. with racial pro, racial race and, yes. and just just yes. just. Um, understand each other be nice to each other um if someone fucks up and they say they're sorry and they're, and and you you suspect their apology is legitimate forgive them understand come together instead of just uh, you know i mean because if because if you don't forgive people just stop apologizing they just start making rationalizations and it's bad for kids if we if we want to be a good mo- role model for kids then mm-hmm. they're just going to try to escape responsibility all the time because there's yeah, no because because the, the penalty for everything is death if the penalty is everything for death, you're not, you're not, you're gonna deny it, right? Kathy, run a stop sign. Death. <laughs> you're like, I won't do it again. I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, so, um, <laughs> so I got pissed because someone introduced an FBI study saying that um, black people, um, like, have a black person problem. Like, they, there's a there's a study that shows that black people are killing each other more than white people were killing black people or and there was another fbi study saying the, the people that were committing all the crimes uh, uh um were black people and this guy once once again once someone hears study shows oh facts are facts facts are facts and i'm like no i have a word two words for you lurking variables all right and i gave him yeah. an example of how 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 the crime stats could be skewed um there's an odd uh, police detective uh, Sergeant Michael Wood from the Baltimore Police Department quit his job because for almost an entire year, his captain instructed him and the men under his command to go out there and make arrest. I need you to I need you to make three arrests today. And he's like, but nobody come in. He comes back and he's like, no one did anything wrong. He says, I don't care. Tomorrow you find three bodies and you jack them up. So my question to you, let's Let's pretend it's not Baltimore. Let's pretend it's another urban area. Let's pretend it's New York City. All right. Let's pretend. Okay. Let's pretend it's L.A. Let's pretend it's Houston. Uh, um, just so I can give you a good imagination. If you, me, and you are cops, and we have to jack someone up or get fired, are we going to the? Are you going to the Upper West Side? Are you looking for the, the nearest three white kids walk? You know, chilling in Central Park? No, you're not. You're going to find three bodies in Harlem in an area that looks like people are causing trouble and jack them up. 
So I can't so now, believe that they were having this conversation. He quit. That this actually happened. He quit. I, I just I'm he was on Joe away. Rogan. He was on Joe Rogan's pod, podcast, and he quit. And he says there are there are other officers like me that didn't quit. And there are many officers like me that did quit, but it's out there and it's a huge fucking lurking variable to people who think, you know, who are scared of black people because this stat shows that everyone's committing crime. And the people that introduced that stat are totally irresponsible. I mean, not, not the FBI, the FBI is just, this, this guy is some, some guy in a, in, in a, in a statistics lab is just doing numbers. And, and I'm like, here, sir, those are the numbers. So I don't really hold him culpable because you have to have, you have to start somewhere. But it pisses you me. You answered your own question, though. You said you don't believe anybody who says, oh, this study, that study. So you're thinking for yourself. You're looking at that. You're looking at the data, how it was organized, how it was collected, how long it was collected for. So you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking about it the right way. You know, you're, you're reviewing it. I'm not exactly sure where this study was published, if it was published in a peer journal. But, mm. you know, this is what the conversation has to be. Pick it apart. Pick it apart can, and say, you know, this is bullshit. Like you have to be, you know, think outside of the box and just don't, you know, t take those numbers. You know, some studies that are done are not good. Some some are retracted, you know, but published studies are in, in peer, uh, not magazines. Yeah, magazines like the Lancet and the, the New England uh, Journal of Medicine. Peers review it, look at the data and say yes or no, this study is going to be published. And and, you know, sometimes it is retracted. So you're doing what you're supposed to do. I, I would expect nothing less. Problem mm -hmm. is people just gloss over it and don't pay attention, right? Like they no. just, it's, it's, I'm not that color, so it doesn't affect me. I'm not saying I feel that way because you know me. Right. But I'm saying it happens. And you know it happens a lot, a lot. Yep. You know, oh, that's just, that has nothing to do with me. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. And, well, and when it, someone posted me and, 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 uh, um, copied and pasted one of the quotes I did in that long diatribe and says where I said um, ignorance I can tolerate <laughs> stupidity I, I, I will not <laughs> but it's true stupidity and, you know, is protected I ignorance Kathy if you tell me why I should stay inside all right, why I should wear a mask, okay? And you offer reasons that are backed, that are peer-reviewed or whatever and I choose to be set in my own ways because of how I feel that might make me a little stupid, all right? You know, because ignorant is I didn't know. Like ignorant, yes. I, I, no, but ignorance is I didn't know before the show. And then you let me know and I'm no longer ignorant. So stupidity is protected ignorance. Meaning you're, 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 yeah. just, you're just set in your ways. And, and, uh, and the reason why I'm even bringing this up because everything you're talking about, uh, everything I talked about as far as crime stats and everything you're talking about as far as medical stats and studies are concerned um, are important that people at least listen. You know, yes. and if their heart of hearts, they feel they, they they feel it's wrong. How about go out there and 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 do some do educate yourself, do some more research, talk to some more people, and and be very careful to not just take something that that the first yes. thing the first thing you Google search because we do it. It's come on, we all do it. I do it. Yeah. You 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 yeah you do it. Everybody uh -oh. does. So, <laughs> but but and that's no but this is a podcast all right we know this but for the people listening it's important that we say these things uh because we're we're, we're educate we're, we're 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 shooting the shit here and we're just i feel like we're we're just getting started but um it's important that people don't just google search something that that fits their argument and say good enough you know mm -hmm. the, let's uh you hear something doesn't sound right do some research
Fine. Listen, listen, just listen, you know, and I mean, have you ever posted something on Facebook w- without really reading it and not really realizing the context of it? I mean, I think every the, person has time. done that. You're just in a rush. You're like, oh, my God, look at this header. But you didn't really read the article. Yeah. The I'm time. guilty of that. I've done that a couple of times. And, and I have to remind myself, you know, really think before you share. That's a whole other separate issue, especially on Facebook. But really think before you share, because some of the stuff on there is just not true. And you have to be careful. You have to be responsible. Like if you're going to share something, like at least do your due diligence. So I, I agree with that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Oh, my God. So when you looked outside and saw a bunch of protest, you sent me this this uh, video. I did. Um, you sent me this was, video. I fact. never thought. I Actually, never let, thought me, let me just put it up. Like, what is the while you're talking, I'm going to put it up. <laughs> do you have it? Yeah, I'm going to just put it up. Okay. <laughs> These people are just walking. Like right outside of my when you, apartment. I'm like, what's going on? When you yeah. showed me this, it looked like, um, you ever see The Walking Dead? Uh-huh. Or you see like this herd of people? Yes. At least 200 people. The, no, but moving at that zombie speed. It was bad, Jason. I was, I was scared. I was scared. <laughs> It was I was definitely scared. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Because, you know, you, you're scared about your windows. They were breaking. Like, a window got broken. I don't want to say it was the protesters. Who knows who did it? It could have been anybody. But a window was broken in a liquor store, and they had to board it up. And then the next day, you see all of these uh, stores down Madison that are all bolted up. <laughs> Everybody, everybody's afraid of, like, the, the rioting, you know? So it's. You got that on your mind too. So you have to worry about that and you got to worry about COVID. So I've had it. <laughs> I've had it in 2012. You know, it's uh, it's been an experience that I don't want to repeat. No, no doubt. No doubt. And it, the crazy thing is like I was the head coach of Hunter High School. That is not, that's not like a place where um, you would see riots or windows broken. <laughs> No, you, you wouldn't. But I mean, look, it was, I, I saw the whole thing. It was, I saw one guy get arrested. He had some blood coming down of his head. I didn't see what happened, that altercation. Um, but for the most part, it was peaceful. And I really think that the police handled themselves well. I think it could have really gotten out of hand, um, you know, and I was happy to see that. But I, I was nervous. I was really nervous. I was thinking, oh my gosh, you know, who knows? Like, you know, you just, you don't want anybody to break in your apartment. <laughs> like, you know, it's, oh. uh, <clears throat> You know, I don't, I don't agree with rioting. You know, I understand the anger, but the rioting part is, is, uh, you know, scary. It just, I felt scared. I really did. And for me, I'd like, I, I have a message for a, a, a lot of people who are, um, I, I don't like to use the word cancel culture because it sounds like I'm picking on them, but anyone that says they don't agree with rioting and anyone that tells that person, oh, it's because you just don't understand. That's, I, th- I call bullshit on that because black people, all right, don't don't condone the rioting. <laughs> Black yeah. African Americans, Latinos, okay, anyone that's been oppressed or anyone that's that's gotten gotten brutalized by the police, they do not condone rioting, partic- particularly them, because what, yeah. the majority of the rioting doesn't happen in areas where they know how to pay off the police. Okay, the rioting happens in areas where the people that stand to lose are them. 
So of yeah. course not. So I mean, you know, and I don't need a black, a, a, a white whisperer. I don't need a black friend to tell me that that, <laughs> that 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 I understand. I don't understand. No, rioting is wrong. Demonstrating peacefully is 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 super necessary. Um, <clears throat> and I hate to sound like the bad guy in this, but rioting um, is what brought the attention, though. It sucked. And I'm not saying you it's know, a it, mind way, you, I'm, I'm citing as a pretext. I, I'm citing as a pretext. I'm not saying it's a necessary evil. You know, I'm just I'm just saying that rioting brought more attention to the peaceful protest. Like Malcolm X brought more attention to Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King tried to demonstrate and protest peacefully, right? And what yes. happened? He got tear gassed peacefully, not 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 throwing bottles at the cops peacefully, just trying to cross a damn bridge. OK, huh? so when Malcolm X basically said, you know what, a cop takes a shot at me, maybe I'm going to take a shot back. <laughs> you know, do you know what they said to Malcolm X? Why can't you be more like Martin Luther King? So, so, <laughs> so I'm not saying super necessary, but I'm saying sometimes a violent act makes Everybody just snapped to and say, hey, these people are protesting. Uh, the, you know, they're getting their message across. Why can't you be more like them? Because when they protested peacefully, they still got beat down. When they protested peacefully, they got moved into designated zones where people can't see the protest. OK, and you know that happens. They're, they're, they're designated. Yeah. When Bush, when Bush uh, came to Madison Square Garden for the for the RNC. The only people, the only place that people could let their voice be heard were in designated areas where no one, <laughs> where no one can see no it. So, where no one heard them. Yeah. Yes, and, I, I agree. Yeah. And that's not a part, I'm not trying to get um, political, but, but it's, it is one of those situations where um, you want your voice to be heard and you deserve your voice to be heard. That's one. And two, it's called civil unrest for a reason. <laughs> You know, it, it, ha it has me thinking differently about race. It has me thinking, you know, I have friends of all color, you know, um, I love them dearly. And mm -hmm. I never really understood deep down what it must feel like for, for, for my friends who are of color to be afraid all the time and walk down the street and have that constant fear. You know what I mean? That constant fear that you're going to be singled out. And it, and my friend, who's a, a fellow monitor, he's such a nice guy, Bill. And he's he wrote something. He said, it's not that, like, the whole all all lives matter. You know, it, it's not about that. It's about right now your friends of color are really having a tough time and are scared and they need our support just walking down the street. Like, I can't imagine what that must feel like. I know what it feels like as a woman, you know, walking down the street at nighttime being scared. But has nothing to do with constantly being worried. Are you going to be in the wrong place at the wrong time because of your skin color? It's terrible. And it's still crazy that this, these things still exist in our country. Like I, that it's unfathomable. I can't believe it, you know? So yeah, I think that it's definitely changed my mind. I was always like, you know, of course all lives matter. I've worked my ass off. I'm not white privileged, but I am. And I never got it before but I am white privileged because I never have to walk outside of my apartment and worry about those things Yeah. for that simple fact. And that's what people need to understand. It's not saying that my life's been easy. You know me, I, I worked my butt off, you know, I worked for the I've known that you I long have. enough. Yep. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's about the privilege of me being a white girl walking down the street. I don't have to ever worry about those things. It's not something that even crosses my mind. And it's, I think very hard to live it, it, being being of color 
and, and having to deal with that or sitting down, you know, let African-American families sitting down with your kids and saying, this is the way it is. This is how scary it is. But if you get pulled over by a cop, don't do anything, put it there, you know, do whatever they say and constantly building a fear. And it's just things have to change. I agree yeah. with that things have to change. Yeah. My mother, um, I said in the last episode, my mom, um, as you know, worked at a, a law firm, a prestigious law firm for 32 I years. I remember that. 32 years. And when she moved out in New York City, um, because she she would do legal work for them at night, they would provide a limousine service for her, you know, to take her home. So cops were doing random stops for people coming in and out of the New York City. I think at the time there was a gun running project. I think they were funneling guns, um, you know, purchasing guns legally upstate and then, and then selling them to people in the city. Um, so they were doing random stops for this and that. So they stopped her car, asked the driver for ID, right? Normal. Then something strange happened. They asked the driver to get out of the car. Can you get out of the car and talk to us? So driver who's white, you know, he gets out of the car and he's talking to them. And then they tap the window, make, tell my mom to roll down the window. And they're like, excuse me, do you have ID? And, and listen, our parents, I'm from, I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Flatbush Avenue. Okay. My mom is a black woman. I came from the womb of a black woman. All right. My grandma's black. I have three sisters. They're black. All right. The only reason why I'm white is because my dad's white. So, so I am, I enjoy white privilege and I'm oppressed. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm off all kinds of fucked up right now. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but, but listen, but, but I don't think anyone understands more than, more than someone who's biracial. Nobody gets us better than, than us, period. I say that with no chauvinistic conceit. So, no, I, I, but I hear you. My mom could have went the, 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 the black talk route. Just do everything they say, show them ID, even though it's not his fucking right to ask you for ID. Uh, um, you know, get out of the car, even though you, you, it's not, you, you have no, you, he doesn't have a warrant, he has no cause. You, no, it's, you have basic um, fifth and sixth, fourth, fifth, and sixth amendment rights. Okay, mm -hmm. to, to one, not answer that guy's question, to ask for his supervisor or, or legal counsel, <laughs> you know, or, or and all of these things were in the middle of being violated when my mom decided to ask him why. She didn't say no. She said why. And 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 he could have said, hey, listen, there's a gun 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 running project. No, because he saw a black woman. Mm -hmm. If you asked why, if you asked why. And he told you why. And you said, fuck you. I'm not showing you my ID. <laughs> you, you have that privilege. Okay. <laughs> he, you know, he's not going to make you get out of the car. But because he saw black, he said, don't get fucking smart. Show me your ID. Oh, boy. Okay. And my mom, mind you, she works. She went to Fordham Law School. Okay. She works at a fucking law firm. She does legal work for a law firm. So you're, you're really fucking with the wrong person right now. And yeah, my mom says, are. no. <laughs> so my mom says, no, I'm not. Well, they're like, well, you don't show us ID, we got to take you in. And she's like, no, no, I'm not showing you my ID. Get out of the car. She's like, no, I will not get out of the car. And then all of a sudden, the police who were supposed to be de-escalating the situation because of his ego, one, because because some of these guys that have a badge think they're, you're supposed to do everything they say at any time, at any, at any time because of their protection. All right? So that's one. And two, his ego, um, and two, because he doesn't look at a human being. He doesn't see a woman. He doesn't see uh, you. He sees you. He says, that's a woman. He sees my mom. He sees her. That's a black woman. You're a woman. That's her. That's not just that's not a woman. That's a black woman. Yanks her out of the car, throws it to the ground, puts his knee in her fucking back. She spent fucking two days and uh, a day and a half in jail till my father. My father got her. OK, oh my God. she ended up suing the department. 
And it's uncomfortable because she settled out of court. And they're taking out of the cops check and the cops still Caesar in supermarket. So so it's one of those things he kind of like Caesar and rolls his eye at her eyes at her. My mom's like, she's like, hi, how you doing, officer? Show me the money. Show me the money, asshole. So Wow, that's um, a story. That's incredible. I'll go further. My grandmother, who lives in the Astoria Projects in Queens, got arrested for planting a tomato garden. In Queens, the cops asked her what she was doing, and she's planting the tomato garden. Asked if you have a permit, and she says, "I don't need a permit for that. There's no, there's no regulation." It's like I'm not sure that's true, and she's like, "Look, I'm 84 years old. I'm, I have a, you know, my cane's over there. I'm gonna need my cane. I just want to be left alone." So yeah. they keep pressing her. So she gets old and cranky, and they throw her in the back of a squad car. 84 year old woman. <laughs> they got in trouble because she's so involved. When you're older, you get more involved in the community. You know who, who your assemblymen are. You know who your state senators are, and they know who she is. So basically, the chief, of, the the chief to the captain, everybody got along down. Why? Because she's planting a tomato garden in the ghetto, and because she she didn't do what someone that works for you. <laughs> it's telling you to do. <laughs> what, 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 I, what, I, what, I, I got to do what you happened. say. No, 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 no. You do what I say. All right. Um, third case. And this is just my family alone. My uncle, retired master sergeant, 27 to 30 years in the military, moved to Indiana, was accused of statutory rape, was held in custody for 22 hours. Uh, I, I call it a police coercion tactic. What they do is they, 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 they give you coffee. They don't give you food. Um, they hold you against your will. You don't even know to ask for a lawyer because honestly, once you ask for a lawyer, that's it. Game over as far as I'm concerned. Uh, um, unless the Patriot Act circumvented that, which, which we, we'll get into, whatever. So he was held up for 22 hours and they tell you you can go home if you, say you, if you, if you admit it. I'll, we'll let you go. You can go home, which is a I, lie. I but, 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 but listen, it's not illegal for them to lie to you. It's only illegal for you to lie to them. All right. So my uncle, 22 hours, didn't give up the goods. He could have. And a lot of men, black or white, would have 22 hours. You're exhausted. They're keeping you up. It's like cutting off your eyelids and feeding you sleeping pills. All right. Uh, um, and didn't give up the goods. Finally, my father drove there, lawyered up. We have a, a, a cool Jewish lawyer in the family. Got him out. My other uncle, when I was eight years old, got shot by the police. Three guys tried to rob him. He pulled the gun. He grabbed the gun from them and in an idiotic gesture tried to rob them. The police came to the scene and shot him dead. So listen, I am not a black guy that, that empathizes because I have one or two black friends. I'm not a guy that empathizes because I came out of the womb of a black person. A person. I am a guy who speaks from experience Four people, four different cases I gave you, not from friends, not from friends of a friend, not from your, not from your black friend's mom, my relatives. Okay. And my mom spent a year with the police because she um, was uh, interning for, for the DA's office or something or whatever. So she used to ride with them, you know, so wow. it's not like she didn't support the police. She still supports the police, you know, um, Hermosa Beach. I have my my white and uh, I won't call it white or black privilege. I have my Hermosa Beach privilege. Uh, uh, I can support the police. You know, because these guys, these guys treat, treat everybody black and white like human beings. 
right? It's a small community, Hermosa Beach. They know the homeless guy. They know that guy works at Starbucks. They know Jason lives up the hill. They, they know people. So when you know people, you're not, you're, not, you're not a sentry. You're not fucking RoboCop. Yeah. You're a police officer, a public servant to serve and protect. I enjoy that privilege now, but I got to tell you, the road was long. <laughs> it sounds it. Gosh, you have some stories. I can't believe that happened to your family. Yeah. Wow. All of that happened when we were working at Rosenfeld's office. All of that happened in a, that small. That, 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 wow. That, yeah. All of that happened in a, in a five-year span. You were with you with Dr. Rosenfeld and Dr. Holly Anderson uh, yeah. with Wild Cornell. We were we were guys for the, everybody listening. It was Cornell Cardiology Consultants. It was the single best cardiology practice with the most capable blue chip, top-notch, overqualified staff you will ever. We had some of the smartest fucking people in the world working for nickels and dimes. Oh my god! I yeah, that right? was. A, a, I I always say if I can work there for as long as I did, I can work anywhere. I can do anything because that was an education. I had just moved to the city. I think I was 23 when I start, first started working there and yeah. I worked so hard. You worked just as hard though. I remember I would no, I have five minutes to eat and I'd be working like a 10 hour day, like just insane. Um, but I, I got so much great experience and working with both Rosie and, and Holly, I mean, Holly really took me under her wing. She, taught me a lot of things. She taught me like how to read ECGs and, yeah. you know, look at chest x-rays and at certain cases that would come in, things that were interesting. And she didn't have to do that, but she really did. And, and, you know, Rosenfeld was, was a good guy too. I mean, I, I didn't work very much fucking with him. He's one but, of the, yeah, he, he he's one of the pill. funniest <laughs> old men I've ever met in my life, dude. You know, well, you told me a story. We're not, we're not going to talk about it. No, not in this. I mean, no, no. you're a little too shy. I, I mean, if, if I were you, I would I'm tell it because I'm less shy. Oh my God. So he's, I'll, I'll tell everybody a story about Rosenfeld. That's cool. It's a little bit cleaner. Um, okay. For those of you listening, Dr. Rosenfeld had his, um, was a, a, a someone we call the doctor of the stars. His patients were anyone from Ron Howard to Sophia Loren to Milos Foreman to Walter Matthau at that time, Lauren Bacall, right. and, you know, also Lauren known Bacall. as Betty, yeah, uh, um, Lee Strasberg, uh, I mean, Anna Strasberg at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Betty. Right. Um, I'll tell you a cool yeah. story about her later, but, um, so this guy who's the doctor of the stars who wrote a book called Rosenfeld's Guide to Alternative Medicine, he didn't care. His opinions were unsolicited because he was already rich. So it's not like someone was paying him to stretch the truth, right? He had his own show, Fox uh, um, House Calls on Fox, yes, Fox, Fox that's News. Right. So the writer and editor for Vogue magazine and Parade magazine for their health, the health department. So just all over the place. So cool story about Dr. Rosenfeld. He's getting an award for the American Heart Association. Physician of the Year. The only, by the way, the only time they've given out that award. One cardiovascular award, one time. This is 1996. You were still there. Um, oh, yeah. So the whole time I'm like, I can't go. They're like, are you going? I'm going, I can't go. I can't go. And the reason why I was saying the big secret, the big dirty little secret is I couldn't go is when someone told me it was a black tie affair. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm black and I got, and I got a tie, you know? And they're like, no, 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 no. It's... <laughs> It's, no, no, it's, it's like, no, no, that's not what it means, dude. Black tie affair, educate yourself. It means you got to wear a tux. <laughs> You're black and you got a tie. What? <laughs> he was a trick. So he when I found out that him, out, he did not care. no, but when I found that out, Kathy, 
I just I couldn't afford a tux. Thank you know, I'm from I'm from fucking Flatbush Avenue. We, we, you know, we don't even know the difference between a suit and a tux. To us, <laughs> it's like, come on, that's like a guy looking at a girl's bikini and a girl's panties. We don't know the fucking difference. <laughs> why are you running? To, why are you running to the other room when you wore a fucking g-string on the beach? Why are you running because you're wearing that tidy where you're wearing big whiteies? <laughs> you know, so we don't oh, know the God. difference. So when he found out why, I just I just came clean and I said, I, I don't I don't have a tux. And I can't afford it. He says, well, go rent one. And I'm just like, you know, you're not listening to me. Rent one. <laughs> it's even worse. I can't keep it. Um, so, so, <laughs> right. Rent one. <laughs> so, so what he does is he makes a call to Bergdorf Goodman. All right. And his new driver at the time, Hernando, because his old driver was uh, Igor. Hernando, his, I remember him. So his driver drives me to Bergdorf Goodman, right? And I go to Bergdorf Goodman and they have four, a four person team waiting for me because they think it's him, <laughs> right? So they have a suit and they have like suggest like side suggestions. They even have a fucking male model wearing it. And they're like, um, is he coming? And I'm like, no, the suit's for me. <laughs> and they all looked at each other. They just said, oh shit, you can go home, boys. <laughs> oh my God. So they ended up, um, uh, fitting me for a suit. I still have the suit in my closet. It's, it's in oh, fact, you wow. can't see it. And um, maybe I'll use my iPad camera and point it out. But um, actually, no, no, that's a dress in my closet. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not airing my laundry. The camera's going to point at a dress. Nope. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, it's funny. So, so very important time in my life. There was an office manager who was hell bent on getting me fired. All right. Her name was Stacy. Um, that was right. She left, and then I—I I think I started the next day or something. Yeah. That was in 1996. Oh, yep. So she, here's the weird thing. She was, she got a gown, and she was gonna go to the uh, um, the Waldorf. Bill Clinton was supposed to be there. Terry, he didn't go. Uh, Terry Hamlish. Uh, um, all of these just big wigs. Diane gave the speech for that. Yes. Remember, I was there. I went yep. too. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. So I went late. I went really late, so I, no one knew. No one knew that I was there, and no one knew. Nobody knows. No, only Camilla knew that Rosenfeld did what he did, like Chris Wallinger, you know, um, um, Stacy, um, Trudy. None, none of them knew, you know. Um, I didn't want to air it out. So, what happened was she was on her way. The office manager who was trying to get me fired was on her way to the, the Waldorf, and she gets a phone call saying that they want to see you at the, at the, at, the, at headquarters at Wild Cornell. She never came back. Oh. So this guy got me a tux, got the the person that was trying to get me fired fired, and and I stayed with him another twelve years. I ended up so just being loyal. You know yeah, I was there too you. long. He he really loved you. But Remember you know he I was there too long. On on the on the intercom, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're old, you could do that. Carmen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Carmen. <laughs> Carmen. <laughs> Hello, Hall. Oh my gosh, Hall. it was crazy. Hall, Hall, Holly, Hall. <laughs> That's Hall. exactly what he sounded like. Oh man. So another what cool what story. Um, another cool story. I saw Sophia Loren's breast. <laughs> was, really? Yeah. They, he asked me uh, to get him some samples of, of some kind of medication. So his examining room door is connected to his office. It's open. But it's open at an angle where you can't see her, except there's a mirror on the door. So 
Um, I lost. Well, I your... saw it too. So, I saw this too. I, I did a whole monitor on her. Fucking perfect, dude. <laughs> she was like sixty-eight years old, and for a minute, I looked. I looked, and I knew. I was. I knew I wasn't supposed to see anything because the angle. I, I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. But on the yeah. reflection in the mirror on the door, she's sitting in the exam room thing, sitting upright, and these things are at the position of attention and she's and you know what she's doing she's looking back at me like this <laughs> because she's that. pleasant like that i did not know this because she's pleasant like that like right sophia says hi to everybody she's sophia lovely. sophia she's remembers lovely. people's yes. first names how cool is that for virtue she remembered yes. you by first name me by first name and that woman yes. is busy from she, the moment she shuts her eyes to the moment she opens them so yeah i just go to the front desk like this and it was Brenda and Vanessa. Uh, the, the, uh, yeah. uh, and they're like, and I'm like, I saw Sophia's breast. And I walked away <laughs> and everybody just looks at me like, huh? How did I miss this? How did I miss that? My God. Oh my God. I didn't know well, that. Well, he was Rosenfeld's patient. So, I mean, great, yeah. sto great stories. Like, Arnold oh, Scazzi. So remember him, the clothing designer? Arnold Scazzi? Little scumbag. Yeah. So, oh, sounds like sounds like brain from Pinky and the Brain. Hello, Raymond. <laughs> Raymond. He's Arnold Scott. He's a clothing designer. Uh, so he's in an examination room talking about what a bitch and a tramp Vera Wang is. <gasps> and in the other examination room, because she was Dr. Is Anderson's patient, was Vera Wang cracking the fuck up. Just like, like, does this guy know I'm in the other room? Just laughing. Oh, my God. Are you <sighs> kidding me? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Do you remember Sally Struthers when she came in, how nice she was, how yes. lovely she was? Yep. For those of you at home, Sally Struthers was um, all, in the all in the family, Archie Bunker's daughter. She's so awesome. She mm -hmm. was so sweet. I remember yeah. her saying, what's your name? And then she's, I told her, she's like, well, I'm uh, Sally. It's nice to meet you. It was so kind. I just, all I did was her cardiogram and took her blood. But she, she was the sweetest woman. I mean, really amazing. Yeah. It was kind of nice, Jason, if you think about it, like, we worked there for pennies, but the whole world was kind of brought to us. All the people that we met, all the yeah. experiences we had. Remember Diane von Furstenberg's uh, dress? The party? Dress party. Did yes. you there? Yes. Yes. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. It was, it was a book party. It was a book party for yeah. Rosenfeld. A it's, that's right. It was her book party or his book party. And she threw him a party. What a that was spot, nice. dude. It was great because I felt like I was on the club scene and the old person scene and didn't have to. And, and like you said, we didn't have to go to it. No, <laughs> it came to it us. It all came to us. Yeah. President Clinton, so um, President Sanko, Robinson, Prime Minister Budo. I mean, just just a great. Yeah. Hold on. Who are you, who are you saying? Richard Holbrook as well. Like there's just so many yeah, people Richard that Holbrook. came in there. Yeah. There's so many people that were. Yeah. It was really. Remember Lena de Oresiche? Yes. And feature. her husband was a composer and wrote a song for Holly. Actually, wrote a song or not a song, a uh, a piece yep. for her, which I thought was lovely. Yeah, great, great cast. After well, after you left, Sean Combs P Diddy was there. Um, he wanted the cardiological evaluation before he did a did, oh, a, did a marathon. <laughs> um, she did a house call for Usher. Oh my gosh, um, that's so cool. Yeah. Well, what happened was she was going to do the house call. And when she came, Usher's like, no, I can't do it. You got to come back later. And you don't fuck with Holly Anderson like that. How you want to talk about power women? Look, you, yeah. you people like you, 
there's you, there's my mother, there's you, and there's Holly, uh, and there's Lauren Bacall, and and these 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 women that you don't, they don't exist anymore. Okay, they're not born anymore. You don't fuck with those, that kind of woman, yo. Holly's no. like, Holly said, no. listen, it is today, or I'm just not doing it. I mean, what, yeah. What's your pleasure? She says, we do it now, or I'm because she she left her patients to do the house call. She doesn't even do house calls. So, no, no, she doesn't. Yeah, that she's like nice you. She's like, what do you want a lap dance and oral sex too? No, I'm coming. I'm here to give you. She, you know. she did not put up with any no, of that. No, no. <laughs> and let me tell you something. She recommended someone really, really good to talk about this immuno immunology and infectious disease and all that stuff with Doctor um, Paul Smith. She, uh -huh. um, she sent me an email and she's like, um, she's like, get with him. He's the guy, he, you know, I'll let him know you're emailing him, whatever. And I was like, you should, you should, you know, that's a great, uh, I might do both. I might do both. I chose you because you were, because you were the ones advising the doctors, <laughs> you know, you were the ones steering, steering all the doctors who wanted more information in the right direction. You know, you've done no, some really, I, I you've done some really important that. work. That's really not my role. My, my role is really as, as a monitor, as I'm verifying data. So, of course, you know, you get trained in certain therapeutic areas. Mm -hmm. But my job is to really verify data and make sure that it's correct and making sure what's being reported to the FDA is correct um, in the system. So, it, it's I don't, it, I mean, I, I train doctors for new studies um, mm -hmm. when we do site initiations. But and science I mean, has been your whole, your whole entire high school and college life. What? So the sciences. Yeah, I love it. I love science. I've always been a science fan. You know, I just I've always uh, do you watch Big Bang Theory? Huh? Do you watch Big Bang Theory? No, I don't. I, I mean, I see some episodes, but not a lot. My girlfriend loves Big Bang Theory. I can't freaking stand it. <laughs> do you know why? Because after a while, it gets repetitive. Like, you know, Sheldon's like, do you remember this one time last night when I had to walk the dog, but the dog pooped and I didn't want to pick up the poop and somebody else did? I'm just like, oh, God, he just did that in one sentence, seven Jeez. times in one episode. <laughs> cool, man. What were you binge watching? You're binge watching some shows. Homeland. I loved Homeland. I was so sad when it ended. I, I oh, I love that show. So good. Did you see the uh, ending without okay. spoiling it for anybody else? Did you see the, the last episode? Yeah. Well, listen, spoiler, three, two, one, fuck off. Go ahead. Your turn. Talk about the ending. I just gave everyone no, a three, two, one it. spoiler. I'm not doing that. No, I don't want to ruin it for somebody else. Okay. I really <laughs> like the ending. I really like the ending. And I really like the, the complicated relationships that the CIA spook had to do just, just so she could stay afloat, just so she could do her yeah. job. You know, talk about, you she know. did a great job acting that role. I thought she was so great. Oh, you know what else I'm watching? I, I know this much is true with uh, Mark Ruffalo, who I think is an amazing actor. He is playing both parts of um, the twin brothers and he filmed scenes, I guess like a year before, eight months before as a, as a thinner guy and gained all this weight true to actor. play. A true actor, dude. Have, have you seen it? Um, I saw the first one. The so very good. first one. But it's I, so I good. Mean, me, I try to be, uh, limit my programs to four a week uh, because I watch and I participate as a coach and commentate and I watch so much sports. First of all, volleyball, I'm balls deep in it. That's my career, okay? That's my. I know, my, um, I know. Um, but I'm I a still big, have that volleyball you gave me yeah. way back in, I think, 1999. I totally do. <laughs> but, um, 
No, big in the NFL. I'm big into MMA. I'm big into the NBA. So there were only a, a limit. Like Homeland was one of the programs I watched. Um, Madam Secretary is one of them. Uh, and of course, any miniseries like The Wire, uh, Bands of Brothers, anything that I knew was ten episodes that I, I didn't have to follow religiously. That there was where you saw the, the series and there was an end game. I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I could rock that. I could do that. But um, yeah, I didn't get to see um, uh, the Ruffalo. Uh, only the first episode. I did see Dark I Water. Dark Water's a suggestion. Good movie. West Virginia. What is? West Virginia. About the West, the water in West Virginia. It's called Dark Water. It's Mark Ruffalo. No, he's, I haven't seen that. He's the lead mm -hmm. in that. Very, very good movie. My girl's from West Virginia, and she, um, you know, the her and her family suggested I see, and I ended up, I ended up watching that. He, he played a good Hulk. He's, he's a good, he's a good everything, man. He's a good, uh, Mark Ruffalo's a good everything. Yes, yeah, so he my, is. So, so good. So my binge shows were Bosch. It's on Amazon. Oh, um, yeah. I never got into that. I never yeah. got into that. I wouldn't have if it wasn't for Kelly. Um, um, also, House of Cards had to catch up on that. I'm on the very last season before they they canceled they canceled Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> you know, I know what drama. What, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, you know, had, you know they film a lot in my neighborhood. They film Power here, right down the street. They have a, a beautiful house that. Um, I mean, they haven't, since the COVID stuff has hit, they haven't done anything in my neighborhood. But I'm always taking pictures of these of these uh, things saying power or the Americans they filmed in my neighborhood and uh, some other shows. And I watched Power. I loved it. it what so about Men in, Men in the High Castle? Yes, I've watched that too. That is just, you. I have to subtitle that. I have to really? subtitle that. I, I just want to make sure, no, because there's so many details. Oh, I yeah. mean, that like, there's so much, like, if you just listen to dialogue and watch the screen a little bit, there's so many um, uh, details aesthetically that you, you, you'll miss, like someone, the way someone holds their pistol, uh, this person's rank, uh, 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 just just little, little intricacies that make you watch it all over again. But for mm -hmm. me, sub, subtitles, I'm good. Do you, you know? rewatch shows? Because I do. I, I rewatch as well. I'm going to rewatch The Wire really like. because The Wire is so relevant to what's happening right now. As far I as I need to watch uh, that. I never gave it a chance. I know it's set in Baltimore, right? Yeah. Watch yeah. The Wire because if you want a full appreciation of the black man and in, 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 in urban areas and their relationship mm -hmm. with the police, it's five seasons. Um, first oh, wow. of all, first of all, the first season is the. Um, the wiretaps, just learning how to, to the drug dealer staying one step ahead of the cops, right? Mm -hmm. Cell phones, you wiretap. All, all of a sudden, they're using um, pay phones, then you wiretap the pay phones. You, um, they're using burners, but it takes two weeks to get a warrant for the burner. So by the time, by the time you get the warrant, they already use the burners thrown out, so they just throw them out and buy new burners. Um, wow. And then all of a sudden, pick text a uh, picture messaging. <laughs> you have to the you know the wiretap has to crack the code for that. So the first season's that. The second season's like uh, union union workers and how the police and crime affects the union dock workers. Yeah. The third one is about drug kingpins, uh, the changing of the crowns. The fourth, and this is very sad. I fucking cried. Is the school system. Baltimore and kids coming up and, and the parent this kid's parents is um this one's broke that one's okay this one's a crack addict this one's this one doesn't even wow. have parents so um and then the fifth season is McNulty um inventing a serial killer to get funding for the police department he manufactured wow. a, ser a serial killer wow <laughs> and the media sorry the media so 
Season you one's, really like that show. So season one's drugs. Season two is unions. Season three is politics. There's a guy running for a white guy running for mayor. And the fourth season's the school, and the fifth season's the media and how the media um, does the news and how the what they I've choose. I've been watching what they way too much TV right lately. It's you just have like, to see this though. Too much. You have too to much. see this. Dominic West. Dominic West, who's a Brit, has, I the, love has him. a perfect, perfect Baltimore accent. Perfect Baltimore He's accent. I know he is. I saw him yeah. in um, The Seagull in England, in London. I saw him, him playing the Seagull. Oh, con- really? I saw him play Constantine in The Seagull, a young, young wow. Dominic West. Yeah, he won, they won the London Evening Standard Award for that. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm big on Dominic West. 300 too, he's in that. Maybe he's a little bad guy, a little sleazeball in 300. Um, so Dominic West is oh, in it. Um, and the cast, like there's a guy who's a crack addict that was so good at his role um security ran him off the set twice because they thought he was an addict security ran him off the set (laughs) oh my gosh i can't even imagine that (laughs) yeah and then on um another instance an addict actually gave him drugs so there were two two instances there was an addict that gave him drugs and we went to the store to get to get like food and then uh when he tried to come back on two occasions security ran him off but that's how deep oh, they so were into their characters. And all of those characters, you'll see them. They're younger because uh, The Wire's a while, a while ago. You'll see all of them. You're like, oh my God, that guy's in this show today. Oh, that guy's in this <laughs> show today. They all got work. Just an, an amazing mm-hmm. cast. The Wire. You have to. You must see it to appreciate okay, the state of the, the, state of the black you. man. The state of the black man in urban United States of America. Okay? Okay, I will. Cool, man. Shoot, man. Um... Wow, <laughs> that was a whole bunch. Is there anyone you want to plug or any site or any, any as far as research or just just friends? Well, or... I mean, a, a lot of people ask me about, you know, being a research subject. If, if you guys are interested in, in knowing the kind of trials that are being done, um, not everything is in the mainstream media. So go to clinical trial, trial, clinicaltrials.gov, G-O-V, and it has a listing. And if you put in COVID, in the search button, you can see all the different studies that are, are, are being done right now in, in the world. And I, I was kind of blown away looking at that, how many uh, different, so we're on the right path, you know, doing the research and, and getting that safety data. So, uh, yeah. And I guess, you know, that's it. Hey, is it, um, should we, should we not play volleyball right now? Doubles. I'm not sixes is out of the question. It's a packed gym. It's a zombie apocalypse. I get that. How safe is, do- is doubles volleyball? You know, Jason, I'm not a doctor. I can't really answer that. I mean, I, I, it's, it's a risk. So you have to really just think, okay, are you willing to take the risk to do it? Like, you know, transmission rates are different in every state. Um, I certainly wouldn't do it in New York. I just think that, you know, we just don't know enough. So you kind of have to assess the situation. And if you're going to accept the risk, something happening you know that that's really what it comes down to the reason why i'm asking is is because the official ball is uh, some of its some of its um composite leather some of its genuine leather and some of it's another another type of leather it's this mixture of fake and real leather it's just it's just a risk i mean you know i would be hyper vigilant like you gotta wash your hands like i don't know can you play with gloves (laughs) i saw this viral video I saw this, I'm just saying it's no, but I, I saw this viral video where these guys are passing back and forth, 
just to warm up and they were passing high enough like i passed the ball really high and while the ball's being passed i grab purell and i do this with my hands right and then you pass and when you pass the ball high i'm ready to pass back but while you pass the ball you purell so we both had purell on so it's like pass oh my gosh pass. oh Dude, i don't even <laughs> And I'm sure it's like that the the, the solution that you use, like the um, what's it called? The the hand sanitizer is probably bad for the leather on the on the volleyball. So well, because I it's mixed, because it's mixed, it's good. The new ball is good. Like the old I mean, ball, the, the like the ball I really gave good. you, like the ball I gave you, that ball would warp. If you put hand sanitizer on that ball I gave you, yeah, because it's 100% leather. It's 100% genuine yeah. leather, and, and it'll, it'll just warp. You know, and yeah. then and then yep. your forearms will start to hurt when you pass it because the leather's not doesn't have the soft touch anymore, right? So yeah, yeah. that's that's my science. I'm the I'm the scientist. You know. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> no, but, but I think we agree, and I'm and we're gonna wrap up in a minute. I think we agree, really, as far as my sport is concerned. Um, I I respect when people do studies, but I do vet the studies. But at the end of the day, the scientist is me. I'm, I've been coaching twenty years. You know, you do a drill, you find out, you see how the drill works, you see how the drill doesn't mm -hmm. work. You, you talk That's to other so coaches funny. about the drill. So, sir, I mean, for people watching, and, and I have a huge volleyball following, it's a volleyball podcast, uh, or started that way. Um, for the people that have been in the business as long as me, uh, um, guys, we're the, we're the scientists. <laughs> You know, we know what well, works bet, and what doesn't you, over you the years. You bet your stuff. You, you really, yeah. you know, you don't take things for face value. You actually yeah. read and, and you do your research and you look things up and from reputable places and make up your own mind. And that's what really but, needs to but, happen. Yeah, but it's and it's a lifelong series of studies as a coach. It's a lifelong series of experiments and studies to see what works and what doesn't. And now as far as the why, you can delve in and then see what studies uh, correlates that or whatever and this and that. But I'm very happy to say in, in, my, in my trade, the scientist, you know, the, the real scientists are us, you know. You, man, mm -hmm. you, you, you are... You're doing. You're you're one of the good guys doing the right thing with the world. I love I love what I see. I miss you. To, miss you to pieces, and it's so good to see your face. <laughs> it's so good to see yours too. Keep in touch and let me know. Gosh, she did her hair you. for me. <laughs> I'm the first goose. <laughs> Inside joke. Oh, God, you're gonna get in trouble. <laughs> yeah. You wait till I get in that living room. She's gonna be like this. No. I miss you. So yeah, I would love to see you. So I would love to meet Kelly too, because I've never. No, I did meet her once. I met her once. She came into your work. No, never. No. No. No, I met her okay. in 2011. Oh, okay. Yeah, and she did my come mistake. into my work, but you were. I don't think. Listen, by the time she came, Rosenfeld's already gone, and Holly was moving. So. <laughs> You know, wow. Holly was moving. When did I leave? I, I left in 2000. So yeah. that was the big, yeah. biggest project of my life. I only worked there five years. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Biggest project of my life was helping Holly move the charts. All of them had to be um, electronic. Oh. So we're, we're, didn't they have to go electronic or did you have to, did you yep. scan them? Yep. Oh, a one, a I think one I remember project. that. Oh, a, a that one was year a project. job. They gave me my own office, this huge room. And the computer, so I just asked them for a second monitor so I could watch football and basketball and scan at the same time. And and wow, that's a job. Yeah. That is. I have a, a gift. I, I can do cabin fever. 
like COVID, like or whatever, I can I can do nothing for a long time. I'm good at doing nothing. You know, I thought Kelly Kelly would Kelly's losing her mind right now, dude. No, it, I feel for her because I, I understand it. It's it's just crazy. And you have a daughter, you know, you have to think about and worry about with this whole COVID thing. And are you guys I don't know how old she is. Is she in kindergarten or we pulled her out. Okay. We pulled, well, yeah, we pulled her out. The, we pulled her out, and a week later, they shut down. Yeah. Yeah, because kids get sick. Of kids bring home kids are kids. They're gonna bring home everything, dude. We 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 know that. So, ah, all right. I held you up long enough. I, I don't even know how you sat okay. in one spot. Some of my friends are savages, and we just we just keep going. But but I've I had, love I, it. I love it. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. That's right. Cool. Hey, Please listen, ladies and gentlemen. This is Catherine Parent. This is my 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 lab rat. My my brain for Pinky and the Brain, and for all of you at home. <laughs> For all of you online right now with your iPad and at Starbucks, for all of you watching on your iPhone, for all of you watching this on your desktop, for all of you watching the live version, we'll, we're um, available later on iTunes and Spotify. For Catherine Parent, I am Jason DeBeas, and we both say, we're out. What? We're out. <laughs> Come check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.